Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. But for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is June 27th, 2016, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about anarchy. This topic was suggested probably six months ago by Ryan WX. Um, he said this was a topic that would be interesting to talk about. I agreed with him. Uh, I actually recorded a draft of this probably six months ago and it didn't turn out great. So I scrapped it and uh, the notes have been sitting in the folder ever since then. So this is a, a second attempt <laughs> to bring this topic to life. So, uh, but, uh, there's lots to talk about. I'm in the world of anarchy and speaking of anarchy, I don't know how all these ones and zeros get stored on these floppy disks, but that's where I store all my notes for this show on my handy dandy Commodore 64. So as I load my notes into my, I'm using quick, write right now, which is a great word processor that I used on the Commodore 64 back in the 1980s. And I still use it today. So as I load my quick write file up here where I can view my notes, we've got a few minutes to talk here during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. The biggest news between the last episode and this episode is that I have finally launched a Patreon account. Now, I have talked about what Patreon is on Sprite Castle, my Commodore 64-themed podcast, but if you have not listened to that episode or if you don't listen to Sprite Castle, really quick, what Patreon is is a way for you to support me. That's what it is. Uh, I've set up two... Now, you can set up payment tiers uh if you're the person setting it up that's me <laughs> you can set it up either uh per episode or per month but um i uh you know i i don't have a i mean i do have a set schedule but sometimes i release extra things sometimes i miss a week and i don't want to screw everybody up so i've set it up per month and there are two payment plans there's a dollar a month and there's five dollars a month um, if you think the dollar a month doesn't help, it really does. Um, actually Patreon does take a cut out of, uh, uh, you know, what people 
pay towards podcasters and things, I think they take 10% out. So uh, that dollar a month actually helps cover some of the fees <laughs> that they take out of uh, of all the other uh, Patreons. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you want to support the show, I have a lot of people who say, hey, I'd like to support your show. How can I do it? Uh, then that's what you can do. Um, it is, uh, for a dollar a month, I will put your name on the website, which is not a huge thing, but it is a, it, it's a way for me to say thanks. And also I have a blog, uh, Patreon gives you a blog. Uh, and so I have started posting things over there. Um, and so you'll get, you'll be able to see those posts and mostly those posts are about what I'm working on, what's, what's coming soon, but and things that are related to my podcasts, um, for the $5 a month tier the big thing that I think people are enjoying is I'm getting people access to my Google Docs folder. It is read only, so you're not going to be able to go in there and uh, write your own shows for me to record. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, but if you want to see the show notes that I work off of, the outlines that I write, my schedule, uh, all those things, the upcoming ideas I'm working on, all that kind of stuff, that's all uh, in that folder. And, um, I, uh, one of the things I've been wanting to do with the show is do like some more interviews and, um, and, and that's with both my shows actually. And I just haven't had the equipment. I purchased a second, uh, blue Yeti microphone. It's, it's a pain for me to break this one down. The one that I use for my regular shows and move it around and carry it. And, and, um, uh, so I, I got another one. Uh, and if you have noticed, well, if you, Listen to uh, Cactus Flax, my arcade podcast, or Sprite Castle. You've noticed that I have added YouTube play videos of the games that I'm doing. I'm using that Blue Yeti for recording the audio on those, and it sounds great. Uh, and I'm also going to use that one. Uh, I'm not setting it up like in a permanent thing. It's just on the little portable stand so I can take it with me and go do these interviews and things like that. So I've added you know, the videos, and, and those take a little bit of extra time. Uh, it takes time, of course, to, to play the games and to record and come up with other information for those videos and stuff. But that's kind of what I've figured in to this Patreon thing. You know, if, if I'm going to, um, if people are going to support me, then I'm going to do, you know, a little bit extra. So, um, so if you want to find out more about it, you could go to my website, robohara.com forward slash Patreon. Uh, that's P A T R E O N. Uh, or you could go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. That's weird how those are just opposite of each other, but, uh, they'll both get you to where you need to go and get you the information. So thank you to everybody who has already signed up. Uh, I've got neat stuff in the, the pipe, you know, stuff for everybody. Um, and, and I should say this, that I said this on uh, Sprite castle, but if the Patreon flops, if nobody were to sign up for it, nobody supports it, eh, the show goes on, you know, <laughs> I mean, the show is always going to be free. This show is always going to be free. All my shows are always, eh, I better not say that. <laughs> I better not say all my shows are always going to be free, but all the shows I'm doing now, uh, will always be free and I'm not planning anything that's not free. So this isn't, um, you know, a way to, I don't want to separate the content from, my supporters, you know what I mean? And from my fans and the people that like to listen. So that that's never the intention, but, um, you know, right off the bat, I've got, uh, domains for Sprite castle for, you don't know, flack for, um, Oh, 
multiple sadness has a domain. All these things have hosting. It just, you know, it all takes this hobby just costs money. So uh, I, I don't think I'll ever get rich off doing this. I don't think I'll ever make a minimum wage doing this. But if I can, you know, if, if that money can supplement this hobby or, uh, you know, uh, in the best case scenario, cover the, the cost of this hobby, then I'm all for it. So anyway, I, I don't want to turn this into a, um, uh, an advertising thing, which I have just done. <laughs> don't you love it when people do that when they say, you know, normally I'm not rude, but that guy is a jerk, you know? <laughs> so that's what I just did. I just said, I don't want to make this an advertisement, but I just made it an advertisement. So anyway, that's enough about Patreon. Uh, it's there if you want to find out more about it. Uh, what else has been going on? I just bought two Raspberry Pi threes. Now I had an original Raspberry Pi, which I still have. Uh, and then I have a Raspberry Pi two and the Raspberry Pi two, uh, in the, the Sprite castle and the, you don't know, flack vid or uh, the, uh, Sprite castle and, um, cactus flax videos in the background, you can see the monitor, and that's the one that I'm running uh, Pi Ants on, which is the ANSI display viewer, and that's running off of a Raspberry Pi. So it just runs basically 24 hours a day showing sweet uh, BBS ANSI files. I love it. It, it just sets the, the tone for the, the room, you know what I mean? And uh, so that's running off a of Raspberry Pi, but the new Raspberry Pi, the 3, has built-in wireless, and it has uh, built-in Bluetooth, and it's even faster than the other ones before. I think it's 1.2 uh, gigahertz. And, uh, I, I mean, you know, on the other ones, I had to buy a wireless adapter. And so this one has built-in Wi-Fi. I don't really use the Bluetooth yet, but I might, you know, use it for something. Um, and, and of course, like the newer ones, it has four USB ports instead of two. So, um, but I bought two and the reason I bought two is I immediately just gave one to my son who just turned 14. Uh, and well, he's been 14 for a few months, but, uh, I gave it to him and I was like, listen, go crazy. I want to see what you do with this, you know? And, um, I think as adults, this is my opinion, but I think as adults, a lot of us, you fall into a rut like, oh, I'm going to buy, you know, this thing because it does this. And we forget about that adventurous spirit, you know, um, you know, when you were a kid and you got a home computer, nobody said, well, it only does, it only plays this one game or it only does this one thing. Uh, it could do anything and your imagination just took off, you know? And so that's kind of why I gave that to him without any expectations. You know, I didn't say, Hey, you could make this, you know, run emulators or you could hook this up to a camera or you could do, I want to see what he comes up with, you know, and hopefully, um, uh, he comes up with some neat stuff. So we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. Um, oh, I just read, uh, Mark Alley's new book. I wanted to mention that Mark Alley, uh, has, uh, written two books. Now the first one was called, I was geeky when geeky wasn't cool. And, uh, the new book is called don't stop the geekin. Uh, his first book, Mark's first book, uh, I Was Geeky When Geeky Wasn't Cool, is kind of about uh, things in pop culture. I mean, there's a, a chapter about you know Transformers toys. I think there's some talk about Star Wars stuff. There's some talk about, um, you know, just different types of things that were popular in the 70s and 80s. And, and they're all Mark's stories as they relate to those different toys, either how he got them or some memory that he had with them. Uh, his new book, don't stop the geekin is 
less about those 80 types of things. Um, it's more like about stories from his childhood, um, dealing with, uh, you know, bullies dealing with, um, gosh, what are some of the other things that were in there? Uh, there's a lot of stories about school. There's a, a story about, uh, how he was pressured into, um, getting involved in this pencil stealing ring, <laughs> uh, in, in elementary school. Uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of those stories, even if they're not, uh, even, even if we don't have the same memories or the same, uh, exact same experiences, there are a lot of things that, that we can all, uh, relate to. He has a, a big, um, chapter about Miss Pac-Man and, and discovering Miss Pac-Man for the first time. So, uh, you can find Mark's book over at markalley.com. That's Mark with a C, M-A-R-C-A-L-L-I-E.com. Uh, and uh, those are both of his books are available as ebooks, and I think they're both available uh, in paper. Yeah, I think they are available in paper print copies as well. I have them both as ebooks, but uh, uh, you can check those out over on Mark's website. And let's see what else. Oh, you know, I think that's everything I have this week. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to uh, a friend of mine uh, who's going through a rough time right now. He sent me a message recently that uh, I think he may be getting separated. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I always feel like, um, especially when it's someone that I've known online for a long time, like you want to say the right thing. And, and sometimes I don't know what to say, you know, especially if it's an experience I haven't gone through or whatever. Um, and sometimes, I mean, even if it just, it seems like there's not a lot of emotion in it or something, you know, I just want to say, man, I'm sorry that's happening to you. You know, I'm sorry that you're going through that. And, uh, you know, sometimes people just need to, to vent and, uh, you know, somebody to talk to or whatever. And so anyway, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad this friend reached out to me, and uh, I am sorry that you're going through that. I think that's got to be one of the worst things uh, to go through as an adult. So sorry uh, that you're having a bad time, and hopefully things get better for you. So, uh, But that, uh, I think, wraps up everything I have here. If you have feedback about this episode or any episode of You Don't Know Flack in general, you can email your feedback to me at robohara at robohara.com. Drop me a message on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flat. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a voice message on my podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. Every show that I record follows an outline, but you know what? To hell with the outline, because today we're talking about anarchy. Conversations with my children, I find that there is no real concept anymore of things being rare. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, when I was a kid, I had seen the Star Wars holiday special on television. There wasn't a thing on television 
uh, or probably in magazines that was related to Star Wars that that passed me by. So I did see the holiday special, but I didn't record it on videotape. And as time went on, it became this somewhat mythical thing. You know, have you seen the, the Star Wars holiday special? Yes. Do you have a copy? No, I didn't. And this, you know, copies, videotape copies, of course, uh, I think everybody knows about the Star Wars holiday special, the Christmas special, uh, but it aired one time in 1978. It was never aired again. And the only copies that exist were ones that people recorded off of television that night. And those were copied and people created bootlegs and those were sold, you know, sometimes at flea markets, sometimes at, uh, trade shows or, or, uh, you know, things like Comic-Con, but way before Comic-Con ever existed, like, um, Star Wars conventions or, or sci-fi conventions, those types of things. So if you had a copy of it, it was considered rare. It was something that not everybody had. And this was of course, uh, the pre internet. Now I'm sure the Star Wars holiday special is available on YouTube. I'm sure it's available on every download, um, you know, peer-to-peer, torrent, news groups, however you download things, uh, you can find a copy of this. I'm sure you can find a copy of it right now as this podcast uh, is being played. So that concept of rarity, especially when it comes to media or information, has kind of been lost. Um, I I remember when I was a kid, I uh, traded files with this guy who ran a BBS And I went over to his house and he had these bootleg videos. He had a copy of Rocky Horror Picture Show and he also had a movie of, uh, or a copy of uh, uh, Eraserhead. And these were things that, uh, first of all, I hadn't heard of. And second of all, had not been released on VHS. This was, of course, pre DVD. This was the 80s. But there was a real mystique to these things. You know, they were things that you couldn't buy. You couldn't acquire. You were special somehow if you owned these things and not even originals of these things, just to be able to acquire a copy. It was this black market kind of, uh, underground thing. You know, um, this, uh, even applies to, um, I used to collect video bootlegs of concerts, you know, and you had to get in that video trading ring, or, or sometimes you could find them like at a flea market or in the, the back room of a, a local music store. Um, uh, what's another example? Audio, you know, if, if a rare album, if something was a rare album. But anyway, the, the point of it is the rarity of those things has kind of gone away. Um, my kids, the, the generation below me, uh, my kids are 10 and 14. So kids that are growing up today have at least my kids have no connection at all to physical media. If I say, you know, this movie is rare. They're like, I don't, why is it rare? You could go on Netflix. You could go to, you know, pirate Bay or whatever, and download it. And you're like, yeah, but you know, you, you couldn't find it in stores. And they're like, well, just go online and order it, go on eBay or go on Amazon. I mean, we have global stores at our fingertips where we can get anything. You know, when I was growing up in Oklahoma, that wasn't the case. I mean, even if something was available in stores, it might not be available in stores in Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, there, that was, there was a big difference between those things. So um, 
that idea, like I said, that idea of um, rarity. I remember when I was a kid, I watched the television special Helter Skelter, which is uh, the story of the Charles Manson murders. And more importantly, it's the, the story of the trial. And, you know, I like every kid who watched that. I was infatuated with the story. And I heard that uh, Charles Manson had recorded some music and released albums. And he even recorded some music that he was in prison. I wanted to hear those things just out of curiosity. I'm not a huge Charles Manson fan, you know, of the guy. Uh, or, you know, the killings, but just from a curiosity factor, I wanted to hear those. But where could you find those? I mean, you can't just go into Walmart and buy the latest Charles Manson album. (laughs) You know, I mean, these were things that were difficult to find. Now you can. Now you could go on YouTube and there's, you know, Charles Manson album right here and you can just listen to it. So if if you're not attached to the physical thing, then it's easy to obtain that that um, that media that that information, you know. So anyway, uh, when uh, I was a kid, I had a bunch of ninja magazines. I know that's hard to believe, but um, <laughs> I had these different ninja magazines, and I would look in the back, and of course, that's where you could order, you know, throwing stars and all this stuff. But you could also order. Uh, I saw these ads for the Anarchist Cookbook, and I I don't know if that's the first place I heard of the Anarchist Cookbook, but that's the strongest memory I have of the Anarchist Cookbook, which was uh, a manual. It was a a collection of instructional, not files, but documents of how to do certain things, how to build a silencer for a gun, how to do this, how to convert you know a gun into a fully automatic, how to make you know homemade bombs or Molotov cocktails, those sorts of things. Uh, so that's where I I heard about the Anarchist Cookbook, but I had never seen it. Um, I had never, you know, saw one. I just knew that that it was out there. Um, but uh, then uh, when I was a teen, I started going to the mall, and um, there was this bookstore uh, near the mall, and it was like a spy store. It's uh, it's I don't know if the same one is still there, but there's one in that same area. Uh, but I went in there and they had the anarchist cookbook and I remember flipping through it and I was like, it's an actual, it's an actual book. It's an actual manual that has all these things in it, you know? Uh, and, and there were some other books that I bought at that same time. And I actually literally have the books right here. Let me grab this first one. Uh, this first one is called, as I hit the microphone and everything else, uh, spite, malice, and revenge, the complete guide to getting even. And then it says three diabolical volumes in one. And this was actually, uh, three different books that were combined into one really big, let me see how many pages are in this book here, 520 something pages. Uh, there was three books. One was called, I hate you. One is called mad as hell. And the other one is called screw unto others. <laughs> and this is a book of revenge techniques. And, and there, some of them are funny. Some are serious. Um, I'm just going to randomly open one here. Uh, and this says eating out the slobs. A wonderful waitress from Davenport told me a great way to correct pigs who hassle the ladies who wait on them in restaurants. And then this is the lady's story. If the guy is a real jerk and just won't let you alone, 
then it's time to get someone else to distract him a while. Usually you have one waitress who has a great healthy chest or one who knows crude jokes or one with Jane Fonda class legs. Uh, While the jerk has his mind caught in his pants zipper, you run out to his car and run a line of dirty grease on his car steering wheel and heavy syrup on the car seat. He is a sloppy slob in your place. Let's pay him back accordingly. The punishment fits the crime. So I guess if people are jerks, um, <laughs> you should uh, <laughs> put oil by their car and, and um, syrup in their seat. Uh, here's one uh, called computers. All right. Well, this is right up our alley. Um says a group signing themselves as seniors who can't spell evidently know their computers well. They suggest that the addition of a small strip of magnetic tape to the little door the disc goes into will screw up the computer. Uh, It will make it go into a frenzy of non-functionality. Actually, it says non-functionability. Use black tape, they add. They also report... Now, this is where... uh, Something I was going to discuss here in a minute, but uh, this book is pretty dated. They also report that the Radio Shack TRS-DOS word processing program scripts it has a fun loophole. If you overload the memory with unnecessary material, it creates unprintable documents. This program keeps all blocks of words using the move command in memory, but does not record them in the usual place. An expert will have to come in and repair this mischief. Uh, so so that's what this book is. And there are – some of them are funny. Some of them are not funny. Uh, <laughs> some of them uh, – potentially here's one called grenades. <laughs> here's one called greeting cards. It is alphabetical. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean that's what this book is. is it's, uh, some of them are several pages. Some of them are, uh, and, and this is interesting, this one right here, uh, let me go back to this. It's interesting if you're looking at it, it's not so much if you're listening. Uh, here's things on super glue, supermarkets, swimming pools. Um, so what's funny is uh, some of them that have multiple topics at the bottom, it just says more, and it looks like it, it came like they cut it out of a text file, which is what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> uh, and, of course, there's a huge section here on uh, telephones. Here's one. Here's the last one. This one says uh, Windows. If you live near a nosy neighbor who loves to peek and peer at everyone else's business but his or own, or his or her own, I have a new idea to screen the view. Vaseline smeared on either plastic or aluminum screens goes on quickly and easily if warm. It makes a horrible mess and also acts like a magnet for dust and bugs. It's also hard to see through. Washing it away might be impossible, and the mark would have to replace the window and screens. Another approach, which appeals to me because it is more direct and a hell of a lot easier if you're as physically lazy as I am, is to either flash or moon the nosy peeper. Right. Simply bear and grin. You may wave or jiggle, too, if you're equipped to do so. Well, I don't know that that would stop if you're a peeping Tom and then you show them your booty. <laughs> I don't know that would stop them from watching. But anyway, uh, so this was uh, my introduction. This book was my introduction to the world of anarchy. And um, anarchy, as defined on this show is the, these information, these files, or documents, articles, whatever, that 
teach people how to do things that they probably shouldn't do. Um, we, there's some legal bounds uh, when it comes to this type of information, and that is that the information is not illegal. It is the doing <laughs> of the information uh, that could be illegal. In other words, it might be legal to tell someone how to make a homemade grenade, but if you make that grenade, then you could get in trouble. So that's how these things um, not skirt around the law. I mean, that's why you can find them. I actually bought this in a, a bookstore at the mall. You know, I mean, just a regular, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble type place, obviously when I was a kid, but, um, you know, I didn't go to some back alley somewhere. I literally went to the mall and bought this book, you know? Uh, so this was, uh, like I said, my introduction. And the next one, which I also have here is a book called big secrets. It was by William Poundstone. Uh, and it is similar, uh, instead of little tiny bits of information, it is chapters. And so I'm going to l- just kind of go through the table of contents here. It says part one, going to hell in a shopping basket. And it has things about Kentucky fried chicken, Coca-Cola liquors, bitters. Uh, part two is, um, it says everything you owe is wrong. Weird stuff on money, currency, paper, credit cards, the void pop-up, and the universal product code. Part three, kids don't try this at home. Uh, Talks about perfumes, playing cards, letters, stamps, envelopes, paraphernalia. Uh, Part four, how to cheat on the eye test, the Rorschach test, the lie detector test, and how to crash the Freemasons. Part five says pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It has, oh, this is all about magic. David Copperfield, his dancing handkerchief in a bottle, sawing a woman in two, Yuri Geller driving blindfolded, uh, so on and so forth. And then the last one says, uh, which was my favorite part as a kid, um, it says always the last to know. It says, did Neil Armstrong blow his lines? Secret radio frequencies. Uh, If you remember, I did the You Don't Know Flack about um, the number stations and things like that. This is where I originally got that information from when I was a kid. Uh, Secret messages on records, uh, which is like backmasking, subliminal, which is another thing we talked about. Uh, I think that's another You Don't Know Flack episode. Subliminal shots in movies, which I haven't uh, done a You Don't Know Flack on, but maybe I will (laughs) now that I'm reading it. And the last one is Walt Disney Frozen. So uh, I'm just going to flip through here real quick. Uh, But there, like, here's a big article about uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so what they did was they bought Kentucky Fried Chicken. They took it to a lab uh, that had a, uh, I think it's a centrifuge, is that right, that spins it uh, and tells you what all the ingredients are. And then it says, um, so it's talking about if you, if you're familiar with Kentucky fried chicken, they have their 11 secret herbs and spices. And so they broke it down and it says, um, uh, the seasonings, most carefully guarded part of the KFC recipe yielded one surprise. The sample of coating mix was found to contain four and only four ingredients, flour, salt, monosodium glutamate and black pepper. There was no 11 herbs or spices. There were no herbs at all. Uh, there was no sugar. Uh, anyway, so it, so it goes on, you know, it's that, it's that type of thing. Again, this is, um, uh, it's the type of book where they're giving you information that you feel like you shouldn't have, you know, um, this is about, um, credit card numbers and it tells, you know, like, um, 
how the numbers are kind of like uh, a checksum, you know, so so it's not just a random 12-digit number. It's it's um, There's a reason for the different numbers. It's the same thing as it's like when you're a kid and you find out um, about, uh, oh, Social Security numbers. And I was amazed that uh, me and all my friends, uh, all of our Social Security numbers began with 444. And then I found out that your Social Security number begins with a number, uh, you know, that says where you were born (laughs) or where your social security number, uh, came from, you know, so, uh, it's finding out that kind of stuff, you know? And so that's really what leads us into these anarchy uh, types of files. So when I first started calling BBSs, I kind of categorized, uh, BBSs into two categories. One was your on the level, um, type BBS. And those were the ones that you mostly called for message boards. Um, you know, you would, uh, just like, you know, I, I think of it as a primitive, obviously version of internet forums today, but that's basically what it was. You called and those were the BBSs where you had good conversations and you talked to people, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And then there were BBSs that were just set up more or less to trade software. We, you know, we call them where's BBSs. Uh, but they could be pirate boards or whatever. But uh, mostly, those weren't the places that you went uh, to have good conversation. Those were the places where you went to download software or upload software or whatever. Uh, but over time, I th- there was a third um, category that kind of evolved. Now, both of those types of BBSs always had um, a text file section, and, and there was a... Sometimes they called them G files. Sometimes they called them text files. Um, but they were, you know, these types, these anarchy types uh, of files. But both of those BBSs had them. But um, what I saw evolve out was a, a type of BBS that specialized in information. They specialized in these text files. Um, and one of the the things that you could do uh, was you could have a lot of these text files. You could put a lot of them on one disc. You know, if your BBS ran off of a single floppy disk, you could still put hundreds of text files, uh, and have them available for, uh, you know, callers to access or download. Um, and also you didn't need to have a fast modem necessarily, uh, because if people were just logging on to read these text files, you know, it wasn't like you were transferring entire disks worth of games, you know, text files, um, you didn't need to transfer them faster than someone could read them. So, uh, you know, even if you didn't have cutting edge hardware for your BBS, you could still run one of these text files, um, or anarchy BBSs. So what categories of text files were there? Well, of course there were lots. Um, but in general, I kind of divided them up into, uh, the following. The first is, uh, phone system text files. And these were all, uh, files. I mean, there are a million of them, but all of them, what they have in common is it was ways to cheat the phone system. Uh, you may have heard of red boxes, which were the little devices that were used to, um, get free phone calls on pay phones because they emitted, uh, the same tones, that a, uh, you know, when you put a quarter in a payphone, for those of you that remember payphones, when you put a quarter in, it would beep five times. Well, this was a box that would, you know, basically make that same noise and fool the operator into thinking you had put money 
into the payphone. Um, then there were blue boxes, which were uh, boxes that allowed you to play certain tones and take access of, uh, you know, carriers' trunks, <laughs> basically commandeer uh, phone lines and do things you weren't supposed to be able to do. But those were just two examples. There were hundreds of boxes. There was, a, you know, if for every blue box and red box, there was a black box and a beige box and a green box and all that. And I'll... I'll talk about a couple of them here in a minute. Uh, the second category were drugs. There were always, uh, articles about how to, um, obtain drugs, uh, but more importantly, how to, you know, get high on things that <laughs> from common household items. Uh, the most famous example of those, I believe one or both of these is, uh, in the anarchist cookbook, which was one was smoking banana peels. Uh, the other one was smoking or licking frogs or something. Uh, I think someone has finally you know, proven without a shadow of a doubt that smoking banana peels does not get you high. But, you know, and, and that's a problem that we're going to see with a lot of these text files is that uh, they were all most of them were interesting, but not all of them were true. Uh, and so. It's kind of funny when you, you know, smoking banana peels is something that's not going to kill you, but it's not going to give you the desired effect. But if you're building a bomb out of explosives and someone has altered it or hasn't tested it themselves, that's something that could possibly get you uh, injured or maimed or killed. Uh, and speaking of that, the third big category is uh, what I put explosives, but you could expand that to weapons, but things that explode or go boom, that was a big category for these text files. Uh, and then the final, uh, there should be two categories here at the end, I guess. One is getting things for free, which is basically how to scam people. And that could be the phone company. That could be credit card companies. That could be how to shoplift. That could be how to steal things from your neighbors, whatever. That was a big category. Uh, and then the final one is just basic mayhem, how to get revenge, how to tear stuff up, <laughs> how to be a menace to society. And really, I mean, this is where uh, the anarchy of uh, <laughs> of these files comes and goes. Now, uh, if you've not heard of textfiles.com, textfiles.com has a huge collection of uh, these old files. And if you go to textfiles.com forward slash anarchy, you will uh, find examples of all these types of files. This is not an inclusive collection of anarchy text files, but it's a big enough sampling to give you an idea uh, of what was out there. And on uh, this page, there are categories for carding, which is credit cards, um, freeloading, which it says getting something for nothing. And then there's another category uh, about getting something for nothing. There's ones on lock picking. Mischief, pain, scams, weapons, uh, and then there are just tons of individual uh, types of, of files. I'm looking here to see if there are any uh, for pay phones or anything like that. I don't see I, that may be under a different category, but um, but you know, just looking at some of these, uh, here's one. Let me just click on this. It says how to make a dry ice bomb. Okay, so this would be a file you would go on a BBS and it would say, hey, you want to look at the explosives files? And you go, sure. So this one is called How to Make a Dry Ice Bomb by Vortex. So you're going to take your life into your own hands by a guy named Vortex. Okay. 
It says, this is one of the most simple bombs to make. It is used for many different things. If you're just down having fun, take a two liter soda bottle and fill it three quarters with water. Then take a piece of dry ice and crush it. Just put enough to make a layer at the bottom of the jug. Now cap it and run. You will have about 10 to 15 seconds before it detonates. It will make quite a boom. I set off a car alarm 30 to 40 feet away with one of these. Now, if you're in a war, (laughs) if you're in a war uh, and need one for self-defense, you can do the same procedure but use a glass bottle. This will throw glass shrapnel so it can do some damage on a human. Uh, Do not in any way use this on a person unless you are at war, so be careful. Caution, there is no set time for detonation, so it is not wise to hold in your hand. Here are a few other things you can do with dry ice. Number one, mix one part egg, one part paint, one part whipped cream, and fill a two-liter bottle with it. Put in about two inches of dry ice in the bottom. Cap it and get creative. Signed, Vortex. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, I mean, this is literally, and of course, everybody knows that if you put dry ice, it expands. Uh, and so if you put it in a water bottle like that, it will explode. And, but this was, uh, um, all of a sudden, you know, when I started calling BBSs, well, when I got my Commodore 64, I was 12, but I had called BBSs prior to that. But let's just say, uh, you know, when I got my Commodore, uh, I, it was in my room. So I had unsupervised access. So today, like I worry about my kids, um, you know, cyberbullying, not cyberbullying, but being cyberbullied. I worry about them getting scammed, getting virus. But, uh, you know, at the age of 12, here I was uh, reading articles like how to make your own poison. <laughs> Let's click on this one. I'm not going to read uh, how to do it. Um, but uh, this says this poison will kill your victim within a week. The reason for the time delay is that the poison causes the victim to get tetanus. This process can be fatal, so be very careful in using this poison. This is an infectious poison, so make sure you don't have any cuts on your hands. Needed thing. Horse poop (laughs) and human blood type depends on the victim. Uh, So I'm looking here. It says take some horse poop. Uh, Take all the hay out of the poop. Uh, put it, you light it under a flame. Well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it would do all of this. The one that I always talk about, the one that I remember as a kid was, um, the, uh, disc bomb, which is a famous, uh, file. I thought I was the only person that had, uh, ever seen this, but apparently it was pretty famous. Uh, and the idea was that you would take a bunch of, uh, you take a floppy disc and open it and remove the film from the inside of the disc. Then you would take a match heads and uh, fingernail polish and um, you, you match or mash up the uh, match heads and then you, you put it inside the clear fingernail polish and then you paint it on the film, wait for that to dry and uh, then put it back in to uh, uh, the disc, you know, after it's dried and then you give it to someone. And then when they put it in their floppy drive, when it spins up, the match heads would ignite and the fingernail polish is flammable, so it would catch fire. And, uh, you know, it would basically burn their drive and ruin it. I remember someone telling me that they had done this and that it worked. But, you know, looking back, like, it was always like a friend of a friend telling someone that they had done that. Or, um, you know, very few people 
did the things that they saw in these files, which is fortunate. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, there are lots, I'm just looking at them here, you know, uh, I mean, a lot, how to use and make nitroglycerin by the ninja master. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, so these are not things that you necessarily want, uh, you know, 12 year olds doing. So yeah, there was uh, a lot of good stuff, uh, in there. Now, there were also groups uh, that released these type of text files. I mentioned uh, at the top here, there was um, uh, there's one called the FDR Anarchy File. So um, I don't know what FDR stands for. Let's click on this. Uh, what does it say? Let me scroll at the bottom down here. Hmm. Nope. Doesn't really say. Uh, but uh, let's see what this article is. This is FDR number four, 83 Ways to Trash Your School, written on June 23rd, 1986. Wow. So this was four days ago. This was exactly 30 years ago. It says, liberate your life. Smash your school. The public schools are slowly killing every kid in them, stifling their creativity and individuality and making them into non-persons. If you are a victim of this, one of the things you can do is fight back. And so there is a huge list of uh, things here. Let's, um, oh, here we go. Uh, Call the school and leave the phone off the hook. The way some but not all phone systems work is that this will tie up their phone for as long as yours is off the hook. Well, that's dumb. I mean, they would just hang up. <laughs> I don't think that would work. Uh, draw or paste something obscene on a pull-down map or movie screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of work. One says start a food riot. I don't think a lot of work went into that. Uh, get a hold of a film to be shown at your school assembly and splice in parts of another movie of your choosing. A little imagination on your part will make for an unforgettable day. Yeah, I think I saw that in um, Fight Club. Of course, this was first, so maybe Fight Club uh, got this from that. Uh, Take booze to lunch in a thermos and pass it around. Well, heck yeah. (laughs) You know what that's called? Work. Um, get a small group of friends to carry screwdrivers and slowly dismantle the school. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> like you're just walking and stuff just over time starts falling, uh, uh, off. Now there are some funny ones in here. Leave phony letters of resignation from teachers or administrations or administrators on the principal's desk. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Take the door of the administrator's offices off its hinge but leave it standing there so that when the principal tries to open the door in the morning, it will have a slightly crushing effect. <laughs> these are stupid. But uh, anyway, uh, so, so you know, a lot of these are silly. Some of them have more uh, content than others. Um, but uh, so, as I mentioned before, the transmission of information is supposed to be free and unfettered. Um, we have the freedom of speech. So you can tell someone how to, um, make a bomb. Uh, even though if you make the bomb itself that you could get in trouble. Well, uh, that was not the case, uh, in the 1980s. 
there was a very famous text file group called the Cult of the Dead Cow, who's still around, and uh, CDC. There was a member of the CDC named Death Vegetable, uh, Death Veggie, as uh, his nickname was. And um, anyway, uh, I'm reading through this here. So this was a big court case that took place uh, in the 1980s. And Death Veggie wrote an article uh, about how to make a bomb. Now, he was in one state. He was a teenager, and he wrote this article that he probably got, you know, straight out of, uh, you know, the anarchist cookbook or something like that. But he wrote this file and it got passed around and it was one of literally a zillion files. So there was nothing special about this file. A second, uh, kid, well, that file got uploaded to a BBS, which I believe, let me see if there's a, a name in here. Mm, warehouse BBS. Um, so, play on where's, you know, warehouse BBS. Uh, it got uploaded to that BBS and then another kid downloaded that file and I believe made a bomb. Well, the fellow who ran the BBS, his name was Ionizer. His real name was Michael Elansky. He was arrested on August 2nd, 1993. Uh, he went in, uh, he was going into the courtroom for a different case and he was arrested he was charged with inciting injury to persons or property, which is a felony, and also risk of injury to a minor. Uh, now, before, and I'm reading this off of a, uh, uh, I think this was, I got this off of Wikipedia, but before his lawyer arrived, he was uh, arrested and moved to an area, and he was ordered to be held on a $500,000 bond. And then it says, in quotes, the average bail for a murderer in Connecticut is about 250000 So it was twice the amount. Um, so the, the charge was basically that he had these files available on his BBS and that people could download them. So uh, this uh, 14-year-old kid... Uh, somewhere else, I guess in Connecticut, uh, had downloaded one of these files or whatever. So anyway, um, Death Veggie says that um, he had written uh, this file was called Anarchy for Fun and Profit uh, and that all the information in there was covered by the First Amendment and uh, that that material was available everywhere. But uh, that didn't seem to matter. Uh, so at the bottom, it says Michael Elansky, a 21-year-old University of Hartford student, was arrested for two anarchy files on his warehouse BBS, which contained bomb-making instructions. He was unable to post the five hundred and fifty, or I'm sorry, $500,000 bail. He sat in jail for four months. He plea bargained to 28 months of prison, which was down from a possible 10 years uh, this is crazy. Oh, and it, I did get this from bbs.wikia.com. Uh, and so there is a Cult of the Dead Cow article about uh, what happened, this proceedings, and I will uh, add a link to this in the show note. Uh, but that, you know, so this was a big precedent. This was, uh, you know, the fact that not that you had built the bomb uh, or that you had written the file, but that you had made these files available to a minor that you could be held responsible. So uh, what was the outcome of this? Well, uh, it, it didn't really matter in the big scheme of things. And I'll tell you why is because, um, you know, this article was written about this in 1994 um, and 19, 
94 is the same year that I started accessing the internet. And by 95, I was on the web. Tons of people were getting on uh, the internet through AOL and other services or through, you know, local ISPs. So, uh, you know, what happened to these anarchy files? What happened to these anarchy types of things? Well, there were basically, you know, two types of things that happened. The first one was the invention of CD-ROMs. And I know that sounds weird, but, uh, you know, when CD-ROMs came out, there were companies that would take anything they could find that was freeware or shareware and put it on a CD and sell it. And people bought it because they just wanted to have CDs. You know, it was exciting to have something on a CD. So there were people that would go download all of these, you know, anarchy text files and things like that. And, um, burn them on CDs and sell them, sell them in magazines, sell them at uh, shows. I went to uh, Comdex in 1997, and I remember there was a guy that was just selling, you know, these types of CDs for 10 bucks each, and I bought a couple of them. And it was it was like, you know, if you think about uh, a Commodore 64 floppy disk, uh, when you transfer it, you know, over to a PC, it, it takes up about 180K, uh, roughly of, uh, of information. And that would be everything that would be stored on that disc and the disc formatting everything. Uh, these CDs were 500 and 600 meg. So just imagine the amount of files, you know, everything that you could have, I mean, more than you could have downloaded in a, in a lifetime through a modem and stored on, on floppy disks was here on one CD, you know? So, uh, by purchasing those, it was like an instant collection. Like you had everything, you know? Uh, and it's funny that this uh, this kid would have been arrested for running a BBS where people could download it, but you know, just a few years later, you could buy it on CD-ROM <laughs> and get all the information right there. So, um, you know, the, the fact that you didn't have to access these one at a time over a BBS that you could just buy them on CD-ROM, and that's one thing that happened. But obviously, the other thing, the the bigger picture was that BBSs went away. Um, you know, as as things moved. BBSs begin to shut down and websites begin to go up. People put this information out there on the web. So now if you want the anarchist cookbook, go Google it and you can find a million copies in PDF format for free right now. If you want to find out, you know, about these boxes or how to make bombs or anything, you can Google it. And, um, I'm not saying that's a necessarily a good thing. You know, I mean, I am a, uh, freedom of information type of guy. I am a First Amendment type of guy, and I do believe that uh, you know information should be free. On the other hand, it scares the hell out of me that either of my kids could easily find this information. And so, um, you know, the information itself isn't harmful, but when you have kids that may not have the wherewithal to understand. Uh, that, you know, these things really do work. They're curious, you know, and, and they want to read these files and see how these things work. So that's the part that's scary. The other part that's scary is that some of these same files have been floating around for 30 or 40 years, and they may have been modified. They could have been modified maliciously uh, or unintentionally. You know, someone could have uh, left a number out when they were typing something or left an ingredient out, or someone being a jerk could say, you know, instead of, five ounces of gunpowder, it needs 50 ounces. And boy, wouldn't that be funny when this kid blows his hand off, you know? Uh, so I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in any of these, uh, files. They are fun to read for entertainment purposes. But, uh, if, um, 
you're really looking to blow up two liter bottles, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say don't try this at home because, uh, we're, we're all, uh, uh, you know, do what you want, <laughs> blow up your own hand if you want. No, that's terrible. Uh, you know, I, I would just say this isn't the best way to get that information. You know, these are interesting to read from a historical point of view, but, uh, there, there's other ways to get this information and, and this is not necessarily, uh, a, a accurate one. So, uh, again, if you want to flip through these old files, uh, they they are fun to read, especially if you like me. You grew up calling BBSs, reading them and stuff. But uh, I I wouldn't uh, you know necessarily try to build any of the things that you read in here. But um, uh, you know that that's pretty much it. Like I said, uh, when BBSs went away, um, you know the access to these type of files transferred to the web, and now everything's everywhere. You can get them on PDF and websites. You can still find these in books, and um, there is a spy store near me. And I don't go there that often. I might go there once a year or every other year just to go in and see what they have. Um, but uh, you'll see these the same type of documents, uh, you know, compiled and printed out there. Also, a lot of uh, the books that I remember seeing, like articles like How to Disappear, or How to Live Off the Land. Now you can find those uh, in ebooks. Uh, on Amazon. <laughs> so uh, the information is always going to be there. It'll just be uh, available out there in a different format. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 theme podcast, Sprite Castle, at SpriteCastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at ThrowbackReviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at ThrowbackNetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flat.